every Sunday we meet, when we open up this Bible right here, He's here. His words are alive, they're well, they're real. They're not man-made, they're not something that we fabricate. It's God's desire to speak to us. Life. I mean, it's like lifetime. Like this, this is like the best virtual reality we could ever get because it's real. I wanted to mention, I know Monday's Veterans Day. And uh, I know I had a, a brother that was uh, killed in Vietnam. And it's not just about those who have died for our freedom, but oh my, oh my. I mean, if you think about the ultimate sacrifice and I think about how God would even have young men and women come to a place where they'd be willing to do that, right? So we do remember, not just, not just today or tomorrow, but as a nation, we recognize it as, as a as Veterans Day. So we, we, we do, we recognize the, the veterans and those that serve. And we're so thankful for their service. And you in this room and you on the web that are listening, if that's you, then we thank you. We praise God for you and your service. Amen? We talk about God sightings, and this week we've, we've had God sightings, had opportunity to talk to people about what God is doing around them and what they see God doing and I want to continue to to have us to really be prayerful about that. What is God doing? What do you see him doing? How is he working? How will you respond to what he's doing? Just keep praying about that. Keep keep seeking about that. We're going to start having some testimonies here in a couple of weeks um, in God's sightings. Now, I want to jump right into the disciples' life and and and, and what we've been talking about so far in James and in James 1, we talked about count it all joy and when we're really facing or in the middle, when we fall into trials and temptations. And James 2, living a life of faith, showing no partiality. Or uh, the key word there was, or sentence I should say, faith without works is, is dead, which is wow, right? And then James 3 was setting the course of our destiny and we set the course of our destiny Basically, by whether we open or shut our mouth. <laughs> yeah. Now, we can speak good things, too, right? So, just like we can speak things that are not so good, and we can have a future that doesn't look so great, but I'm telling you, we can speak good things, the things of God and the things He has for us, and have, have a future that still is in the middle of a sin-fallen world but have a future where God walks beside us in it because his word's in it, and we can have his peace. We're going to talk about today, I think, the hardest chapter in James to bring forth because this chapter, he's going to, he's going to speak to us, and he's going to lay it out on the line. He's going to put it on the table, and then chapter 5, he's going to give us a little reprieve because he's going to say, now that I told you these things in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, Chapter 5, he's, he's going to say, now go in peace. But today is chapter 4. All right? It's chapter 4. So turn in your Bibles to chapter 4. And let's listen to what God has to say to us this morning. I'm going to ask the question, anyone in the middle of a trial this morning? 
something that you're coming against, anyone in the middle of a temptation this morning, something you're tempted by, okay, anyone you just, you're not going to raise your hand again no matter what I say. That Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. I just, um, we all, I mean, right, it's not a fair statement because in any given week, we all face some sort of trial. We all are tempted in some way. And we have seasons of times where sometimes there's these big things kind of coming against us, and sometimes not, you know, but, but still, life is life, and, and these things, these trials, these temptations come against us. And, and let's listen to what's going on when, when James says, as we're, we're facing our trials, where we fall into our trials, I should say, and then we face these temptations, how do we respond to the trial, or how do we respond to these things, and then we look at partiality and we say, okay, if I'm in the middle of a, a trial or I'm being tempted by something, how can I tell what's going on? How can I tell um, a, a way to get through it? Because we're either going to trust God or not. And trials and temptations, it's all about trust, right? God allows these trials in, into our life so that we'll, we just need to flat trust him, grow up. We need, to, we need to look at the things that are inside of us, even though it might not be our fault, but we need to look, why do we react or why do we respond to these trials in such and such a way? And what God is doing is he, I don't know, I mean, it's what the word says. God is allowing these things into our life. You can't get past this, not that you want to, but let's put it out there. He's not allowing them into our life, what we might consider good or bad, our fault or not our fault. Because he wants the best for us. He wants to work the things that are in us that are not good and not glorifying to him out. Even if it takes a tragedy. That's hard. Can you imagine? I was thinking, I couldn't help it. I was looking at you, Heather, when I... But can you imagine... I know there's times, Heather's here this morning, we have two daughters, Heather and Eleanor, but Heather, I know there's times I purposely let you get in trouble, not so much hurt, but get into trouble on your own, even though I didn't want to, I wanted to speak, I wanted to stop you, I wanted to, but I knew if you did not work it out yourself, you would always need me to be by your side, or you wouldn't be able to think things through for yourself, you wouldn't grow and mature and I know as a dad, if, if I do that to a, a daughter or my daughters, then certainly our father loves us enough, even in the middle of all of our stuff, to let things go about. That it'll, it, it will force us to go to him. It will force us to, to see the reality, not of others, but of us. That's, that's tough. And so how can you tell if you're, for lack of a better way, if you're getting through a trial? If you, if you say, okay, I'm going through a trial or I'm being tempted, now watch this. How can you tell if you're trusting God really? Because a lot of times we will say, I know what the Word of God says. Oh, I believe what the Word of God says. And I'm doing what the Word of God says. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I don't know, it seems like God's not answering. And this thing just isn't working. I'm not getting through this trial or this temptation. Who's been there? Okay. Here's how you can tell if you're really trusting in the Word of God or not. And I, I mean this, watch. Here's how you can tell if you're really doing what you're saying. When you say, if you're praying to God, if you're praying and asking Him to help you or uh, to do what you want to do 
or if you're praying really when you say you want to know his will, but you ain't getting an answer. It's the next two when you look at partiality. Because if you're going through a trial or a temptation and you find yourself being very partial, you start you start going, um, okay, well, I like that or don't like that. That person's cool. That one's not. Uh, this is this and this is that. And you find yourself becoming the judge and you find yourself, you know, uh, picking and choosing. Or you look at it where it says uh, faith without work, but you do not have works. It's dead. Or you find yourself saying, I believe in God. I trust in God. I believe in his word. I'm praying. I'm seeking his will. And, and God, help me get through this trial. Help me not, be, you know, when I'm tempted not to fall into temptation. And, and, and we go, this is how you'll know. Because, because if you're saying you're doing these things, but you have no works toward them, then you're a liar. You're dead. Now, let James explain what I just said. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here we go. Where do wars and fights come from among... Let me, here we go. Sorry, let me go. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Ah, that's deep to me. As James is playing this out, I purposely went through James 1, 2, and 3 because this is how it plays out. The trials, the tribulations, the temptations. This is how it plays out when we're, we're in our heart, we have partiality toward people and toward things. And, and when we, we say we love God, but, but we have no works that show, the, or fruit, you could say fruit that show that. And, and, and then we say that, you know, all is good, but all along we're running our mouth. And James says, listen, you know where all this comes from? You know the bottom line of all this is? Prayer. Now, come on, it, isn't that hard now, this is where I've been really praying about this because I've been hitting this every week. So, so the best I can and through prayer, I want to explain, explain this right here. When, when James keeps saying, and I keep reiterating, that God is talking about us, it's about us, it's about us, he means it. He, he, he really means it's about us. And, and that's where the struggle really happens because you know, again, if something happens to me that's not my fault or someone falsely accuses me or uh, I get into this accident that wasn't my fault, especially if it's not my fault, is where my flesh and, and my mind and everything just goes, okay, I hear what you're saying, God, and you're, you, you, you allowed this into my life to work this out of me? To work what out of me? And a loving father as he is, he goes, that 
that anger that's, that, that was, is pulling selfishness out of you, where, where you think you don't deserve this, but someone else does. And a loving father wants to work these things out of us. He wants to take the things that are within us. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about the, the, the other things, that had, the one that falsely accused you. I mean that. Because if we, we receive God's grace and ultimately we, we say, God, okay, I know you allowed this, this person to falsely accuse me. You could have just took an angel and just, whoosh, that person, mm, 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 you know, right? Now, am I right or wrong? Could, could God shut a mouth to someone? Can he open the mouth of a donkey? Okay, if he can make a donkey talk, he can make a person's mouth shut. Okay, so isn't that hard? I mean, it's hard to grab. That he would allow someone to slander me or you, to falsely accuse you. And I mean blatant. That what they're saying hurts your reputation, makes you get fired from a job. I, I don't know, whatever. And you just go, no, no, no. And a loving father says, and look what it's bringing out of you, Tony. Look at the anger it's revealing. Look at the hurt it's revealing. And then he starts reminding me, ever so gently, not to condemn me, but to remind me it's in you because that's what you've done to others. Maybe not to the magnitude, maybe not to the depth, but every one of us in this room that's been falsely accused or hurt has falsely accused or hurt some of themselves. You know you have. And I don't say that under judgment. I just, I know a sin nature. And it's hard. It's hard to, to, to grab that kind of stuff. But he, he lays it out. He says, you know, why do you have wars? Why do you have fights? It's because of the desire that's in you. You can never win the fights of the world. Because in our selfishness, we always want more. You ever win something and you just go, that's a nice little thing from the, the fair thingy. The guy. But you know what? I want that big one. And for another $120, 50 tickets later... I might just get that. You know what I'm saying? You, you, he, James is saying no matter how hard you try, in and of yourself, you'll never win because it'll never be enough. And, and, and what makes it worse, I don't want to look at anybody, <laughs> but what makes it worse is in my selfishness, I want what's right. I want what's coming to me that's good, not the bad, but the good, right? But so do you. No one will ever win this fight. No, I mean, I'm not saying everything's bad in this world. You know, uh, Tr uh, Miss Trish and I can go out to dinner and we can have a nice dinner and we go home and, well, that was great. So that's not my point. But he's saying when you have conflict, when you have things coming against you, when you have a conversation that goes south or something that hurts you, he's saying, I'm telling you, James is saying, Tony, you're hurt because it's in you. What are you going to do about it, Tony? You're going to fight it. You're going to argue. You're going to scream. You're going to demand what's rightfully yours, whatever that may, may be. Go right ahead. So, I mean, I mean, he doesn't really kind of say that. <laughs> You're going to trust God or not. He goes into you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. And what he's saying is we can come to a place in our life when we're in the middle of a, a trial. We're, we're being tempted by something. And we, we, if we're not careful, we come to a place where we put up these walls, and the next thing you know, I'll take care of this. I'll handle this. 
We might not we might not say that, but that's why he's saying, but even if you ask, you ask amiss. And what he's saying is, you, and with one side of your mouth, you're saying, oh, God, I, I, I trust you, but I'm going to handle it. And, oh, I pray, but I really am not listening for an answer. That's what he's saying. Because I'm not in a place in my heart where I'm listening to what you're saying in the first place. I'm going to just kind of take care of things myself. Thank you very much. And I'll just take the bitterness and the anger, and I'll shove it down inside. And I'll tell you, if you ask me, have I forgiven that person or that thing? And I'll tell you, yes, I have. Until something happens that all of a sudden, poof, it brings it back up. And you go, man, I thought I got rid of that. Well, you never will, James is saying. Not, not by your own. You never will. All right, so let's keep going. It says this. But he gives more grace, therefore, he says. God resists the proud. This is verse 6. But he gives more grace, therefore, he says. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. To ignore something that we feel like we cannot control or that something that has happened uh, that we we end up having to, leave, like, again, like leave a job or we find ourselves uh, without a vehicle because of a car accident, whatever the case may be, and we have a tendency just to pretend sometimes it never even happened. So, so what am I saying? It's not about, you know, because he was talking about where do quarrels and fights and arguments come. Doesn't it come from that, that that's within you? So it's not about if, if something comes against you. Now, hear me out. That something comes against you that you fight against it. That's the point. You will never win. You'll never win. But you take a deep breath and you say, God, you allowed this. You allowed this to come into my life. What can I learn from it? I mean that. What what can I learn? What can I do? How will it make me a, a person that will learn how to respond to someone else when it happens in their life? Or the person that wronged me or said something to me or falsely accused me, why did they do that? What's in them? Now, you might just say sin nature. I mean, they're, you know, they're a whatever. And maybe so. Maybe they just, uh, stupid's a biblical word. Maybe they're just stupid, you know? And and you ever do something stupid? You know, and some people do stupid stuff unintentionally. And, but again, God, why did you allow that? I, I know that's tough, but but as we look at what James is saying about getting through trials and, and temptations in our life, and we look at, you know, what what's in us that makes us, view others as as having issues, but we don't, and uh, their issues are worse than mine, but I'm not so bad, and God's going, no, 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 you know, you all are created in my image. There is no one that's worse in that sense. He goes, he continues to say, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. Isn't this kind of deep? Isn't this kind of like in your face? Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. 
And all, all James is saying here, it's, it's, it's in a sense real simple. He's saying this, he says, he, when he says, submit to God and resist the devil because the devil will leave. The devil, the devil made me do it. Boy, the devil sure is after me today. The devil's doing everything he can to get me. You ever say that? It's the devil. Now, could it be the devil? Principalities? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying be careful. Because if the first person we want to blame is the devil, that's showing partiality because more than a chance, the devil don't have to do anything to help us mess up because we're doing a fine job job just by ourselves. Come on. Okay. So he says, draw near to God, resist the devil, the devil will leave. Do we believe the word of God? Hear me out. Do we believe the word of God? So he says, draw near to God, resist the devil. So if you think the devil's after you or the principalities are messing with you, and I mean that for real, just resist that. Don't go to that. Don't claim that. And then I'm going to draw near to God, and he'll draw near to me. And that's what he's saying. So we're in the middle of this stuff that's going on. I'm drawing near to God. The principalities are trying to tell me, see, you're no good. See this, see that. And say, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to listen to that part of that. I got enough issues with me, let alone trying to listen to you tell me that I'm no good. And so I'm drawing near to God. He's drawing near to me. And, and he says, James says, do two things to get through this trial. Do two things to push through this temptation. That's it. To do two things. He says, cleanse your hands. That's a physical thing. The first thing you're going to do is stop doing those things. Stop those thoughts. Stop those actions. I know you might say it's not that easy, Pastor Tony. Yes, it is. No, it's step by step. It's growth. It's maturity. But don't tell me if you're tempted to do something physical and you go over and do it, I picked up a thing of Kleenexes. I don't know how that'd be a temptation, but you understand what I mean. This could be, you're tempted to do something. If you go do it, you fell into that temptation. It's a snare. It's a trap. But if I am tempted to go over there and steal something or pick up that Kleenex box, and I go, no, I'm not going to listen to that thought. I'm not going to let the principalities tell me, well, it's okay. It's just a Kleenex box, and I'm going to stay right here. Now, if I stay right here and I don't go over there, All right, did I fall into the temptation? No. So he says, cleanse your hands. In the physical part of your life, cleanse your hands. Stop doing these things. Then he says, as he continues, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it goes to mind. The Bible says that our mind is the gateway to our soul. To our, to our, I'll say our spirit. I want to be careful there because the word of God has a direct impact on my spirit. Okay? So in the sense of a born-again believer, I, I want to be a little careful. But, but in, in essence, what's happening here is the Bible says that our mind is the gateway to our soul. And so when he says, purify your heart, you double-minded, now he's going into the spiritual realm, and he's saying, listen, not only stop doing those things which are not of God, but now as you're drawing near to God, let him draw near to you. What does that mean? By his word and by his spirit, you're allowing him to come into your heart and to cleanse it of all unrighteousness. How does that happen? Because he speaks to you by his word on what is right, what is righteous. 
A simple example. I'm tempted to steal. The Bible, the word of God tells me and the spirit of God reveals to my heart, thou shall not steal. Why? Because it doesn't glorify God. I know this is a simple illustration, but you, you see what I'm saying? He says, cleanse your hands. Stop doing the physical things. Purify your heart. Let the word of God draw near to God and let his word and his spirit slowly, slowly start, start to make you clean inside to where little by little, um, I'm not saying it can't happen all at once as a miracle, but usually it's little by little. Why? Because God is working these things out of us. So it doesn't, doesn't normally happen just like that. Right? Okay. So he continues. So we're cleansing our, our hands. We're purifying our hearts. And he says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of the brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? And really what he's saying there, you could take that scripture and say, well, see, God says don't judge anyone for anything. And, and that's not really, that, that's not what's happening here. Because we, we can be fruit inspectors. I, 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 I should, if, I, if you will, if someone comes in to, let's say, our church. And um, they come in and they purposely start uh, getting you guys aside and, and they, you know, they start, they, they go up to the men and they take their wallet. Again, an extreme example. They start stealing from us. I mean, right in broad daylight, we're, 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 we're just doing whatever. If someone comes up and for some reason just pops someone, okay, would, am I not to judge that? That's not good fruit. Stop it. Yeah. I mean, for real. See, we can judge fruit. We're just not to judge the person. For real. We can judge fruit by the word of God. If someone is stealing, we're not to judge them for the act of stealing. But if we're able, we're to come alongside them and say, God doesn't want you to steal. We judge the act, not the person. Okay? So I want to make that clear before I go back in. And he says this. He says, so he says, do not speak evil one another. So what he's saying here, he says, do not be God. That's all he's saying. He's saying when you're in the middle of a trial and you're being tempted by something or you're showing partiality, he's just saying, don't be, don't be God. Don't you be God. There's only one lawgiver and only one judge that can judge people rightly, and it's not you. Then he goes on, he says this. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow you will go to such and such a city and spend a year there. You'll buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you did not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And the bottom line is, for him that knows to do good and does not do it, now, he uses a word here in the New King James, arrogance. And the minute I read that, I'm thinking ignorance. Anyone here ever try to claim ignorance when you really knew what God wanted you to do in response to something, but you go, well, but I really don't know where to find that chapter and verse, so I'm going to claim ignorance, and I'm just going to get mad anyway. I'm going to get even. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? I've never done that in my life, Pastor Tony. 
you know? And so he's wrapping this up, and he's just going, you know, I, I know he's, he's talking to the church, James is. And he's talking to them in a time, for lack of a better way to say it, just, just like ours, where there's a lot of turmoil in the world. And, there's, and actually in, in the church, which praise God, is, I mean, it's not our body, but in the church itself, these conflicts start rising up. And people are starting to argue about, about stuff. And they're really, you know, they're starting to say, well, I have these rights and you have this right. And, 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 and ultimately, he's just saying, you know, you, you need to really just take that deep breath and understand that God wants to do a work in you. Let him do that work. Full circle, just in case. I, seems like I saw a couple of you going, a couple of you going kind of like, Pastor Tony, everything you're saying, are you, man, are you kidding me? You're trying to make it all about me. And that, man, that's kind of, I'm messed up. I can't really assimilate that. Well, bottom line is, listen, can you imagine the glory God will get? This is it. Can you imagine the glory God would receive if we were in the middle of a trial? I mean, I'm talking one of those life tragedy trials, one that for whatever reason, doesn't matter, has really hurt our heart. And we're in the middle of this thing. And, and again, I, I need to use an example because I'll make it solid. It's that person that falsely accused you. And, and, and so this person falsely accused you. It's not true. It's not, you know, what the person said at all. But can you imagine the glory God would get if you literally would say, God, what am, what am I to learn from this scenario? What am I to receive from this? And then even more so, hear me out. Because of the trial, it's forced you to be on your knees and to seek him and to grow and to mature and to, and to come to a place where you forgive that person as Christ forgave you. And then out of that, I'm not ever saying you just leave it alone. I'm not, I'm not saying you just leave those kind of things alone. People tell me to take the high road, which we should. I have pastors. You know, there's been a few times in my life where I've sought out counsel from other pastors where I just, I, you know, I got so upset at things that like a, someone falsely accused me in an area. Um, you know, I just, I, you know, in reality, like if you weren't listening to me, I just wanted to go punch out the person. I mean, I never did, but I wanted to. I mean, for real. Just come here. Give me, give me five seconds. I promise you. You'll go down quick. It'll be over fast. <laughs> you know what the high road is? The high road is when something happens that you just don't walk away, that you just give up. That's not the high road. The high road is when you receive what God is teaching you and you come to a place where you trust God and then in return you can respond to that person or that situation with his love and his mercy and his grace. And, and hopefully, even the Bible says, hopefully somehow the person will mature and repent. Now, it's not your job, but I'm just saying. That's tough. So, as we exit James 4... Uh, I want us to think some about who God is. I want us to understand that where God is coming from, if we ever want to push past these trials and tribulations, it's going to be with great humility. 
The humility that says that I'm not going to stand and say, because of my selfishness, I can do this, God. I don't need you. It's a humility that says, in, in essence, it's a picture, so again, but it's a humility that says, I'm here. Uh, I want what you want. I, I want to hear you. I want, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to mature. I want these things that have been put in me all of my life. A lot of us are older in this room, and man, we got some stuff that's still there that God's trying to work out of us to his glory. It's all about breaking free from those chains that hold us and that hurt us and that stop us from doing things that God has. And some of us know what I mean. Some of us have have went so far deep inside and kind of like pushed things away that we just were kind of just living life, you know. And some of us, God's getting our attention and saying, you know, you say you've forgiven this person, but you haven't. You say, you say that you've grown through this experience, but what did you really learn? To be more selfish? To try to control things yourself? What did, or did you receive what I had for you? And did you grow? And by, by, by the proof of your grow, growing is by your works. That you can take your growth and you can share it with someone else. You can pray with someone else. You can, you can forgive someone when they've wronged you because you know that you've wronged others too. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Shall make you free. John eight thirty one. Every Sunday I put that up there. You know why? Because we're gonna we're gonna say, God, I want your truth. I want I want to be made free. I can't do it on myself. I can't do it by myself. I want to be made free. Can you imagine? Come on, trials. Come on, temptations. We would never do that, and nor should we. But I want to be made free by his word and by his grace. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. So we're going to go into a time of invitation. A time that says, all right, God, Reveal your word to me. As imperfect as I am, what do you have for me to know from your word this morning to gain, to acknowledge? How do I receive what I've heard from James? How do I respond? The word tells us that we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory, and I I know we know that. That we fall short of his glory. That's a given. That's why it's never a word of condemnation. That's why you don't receive that love and grace when he said, says we fall short of his glory. You don't receive it with condemnation. You receive it with an acknowledgement that he's God and we're not. And he desires to infiltrate our life. To fill us with his spirit. To allow his word to cleanse us. To take those things that you've put deep down inside, the anger and the hurt and and the jealousy, and to steer that up in us. And to know that he is the one 
that will set the course of our life if we'll just close our mouth and then open it. Speaking of His goodness and His grace. Not of evil, but of good. We're but sinners that are short of God's glory in need of a Savior. And if that's you this morning, I know I'm speaking to believers in this room, those that have repented of their sin and asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. They put their trust in Christ, but maybe some have not. And if you're here this morning and the Word of God is speaking to you, uh, what do I mean by that? As you heard His Word spoken and proclaimed, as you've seen His people worship Him, there's something in your heart that stirs up. I remember it very well. That day that God revealed to me my sin and that I was separated from Him and that I had a choice to make. Knowing that it was true, he, he, Jesus Christ died for my sin, paid the penalty for my sin. Didn't understand it all, but I knew it to be true. My heart knew it without a doubt. And I had that choice. Would I put my trust in Him? And it was that step, and I did that day. And that might be you. Is today your day of salvation, for real? That you would bow your heart before God, and that you would say, yes, I repent, I believe, come into my life. Walk with me, journey with me. In the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you, if you've bowed your heart before God this morning, before the Lord Jesus, and you say, Pastor Tony, I, re- I put my trust in Christ this morning. Put it down on that connection card. Share that. Tell someone. Tell me, Miss Trish, one of the deacons. You can tell most of the deacons, they're the ones that are going around smiling. May it be said, salvation comes to the house of the Lord today. May it be said that even through a microphone and a website, someone might come to the Lord by hearing his message, his word. May it be said that we'll be a church that will be faithful to share our life and our journey of what God is doing in us with others because he says he will go before us and as a church and as a body and, I'm, and as a person that is hearing my voice right now and for me as God speaks to my heart we are the ones that are the ambassadors that go out from this place we are with his word his grace and his love let it be so amen let it be so